Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here for a, a cool, short topic again today, a comparison of the 2019 and 2023 Ravens, and kind of a positional basis, position group basis. Here to do that with us is Sean Asher. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. We got the big news of Mark Andrews coming back. That's pretty exciting. And, you know, it, Kyle Hamilton making his first first team all pro appearance in year two. So that's that's an exciting day for Ravens fans for sure. It is a Patrick Queen, a second team all pro, which is, I think, pretty uh, extraordinary and, and probably a good thing for the Ravens with him going into free agency. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler remain snubbed at uh, on the offensive line in terms of guys who didn't make it uh, either to the Pro Bowl. Well, Linderbaum made the Pro Bowl, but did not. Uh, neither of them was chosen even as a second team All Pro. Yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping that that the Patrick Queen selection as second team really gets us that that third round comp pick. Now I'm hoping that moves the needle and gets us there. Pretty good chance. I'd say a pretty good chance. A lot of teams out there need an inside linebacker, and and uh, he does a lot of things well. And we wish him the best in his new NFC career. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that'll be uh, that'll be terrific. Uh, but we're here to talk about the the, the 2019 versus 2023 Ravens and uh, compare those two teams. And and obviously that the 19 team was a very very special team, which went 14 and two. Uh, set all sorts of records for offense, which I'm sure we'll get into. The 2023 team, a remarkable DVOA team, and and I've been calling it DVOA or DVOA as as 
you know, mood suits me, but uh, we had a separate show we just recorded yesterday with Aaron Schatz on where he talked about all of the special 2023 uh, Ravens Devoa uh, thresholds that they hit. Great individual games from Lamar Jackson, great season from Keaton Mitchell, um, and, and a great performance by the by the team overall for the whole season, which makes them the fifth best team since 1981 of the all Devoe era. He thinks that this is a team – if they win the Super Bowl, will be thought of as one of the greatest of, of all time. So uh, lofty goals, but Sean, let's uh, you take it away and tell us how you'd like to go about comparing the 19 and 23 teams. So I think it started in like quarter three of the Miami game. We're like, uh, you know, the game's kind of already over. You know, we're starting to think about pulling guys and, you know, people are even mad that Lamar's still in the game. And it's like, well, really, there's still enough time for Miami to come back. But, you know, Twitter was just already on fire about like, oh, you can't rest people next week and the buy and the rust and it's going to be 2019 all over again. So I immediately thought like, okay, let's, let's dissect this and let's talk about some of the differences and, you know, sent you the message to figure out how do we record something about that. So one of the things that I, you know, really started to look at was the team. And the first thing that kind of pops to head is the, the, the experience level and the different types of playmakers and some of the schemes. So I guess we can start with positional breakdowns and how the positions are different from year to year. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first thing, Lamar is now 26 years old. He's not a 22-year-old kid anymore. He's a little bit grown. Since that Tennessee loss in 2019, Lamar's played 55 games. Uh, that's a lot of experience and mm -hmm. 1,391 completions, pass completions since that game. So, you know, age is the best teacher and Lamar's got a lot of that nowadays. All right. So I, I, you know, if we're comparing the two positions, like 2019 Lamar versus 2023 Lamar, the first thing I'd say is that Lamar's 2019 season is remains among the greatest in NFL history. So I, I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it was ever fair for Ravens to expect that he'd be repeating this or a lot of the comments, common comments I would see, which is he's only going to get better. He's he's he probably has improved his game in some ways the league was totally unready to react to who he was in 2019. They've figured some things out. They've, they've optimized some things about how to work against Lamar Jackson. So he can be better and still not be as good statistically. And that's, I, I believe, what has happened now relative to 2023, for example. Absolutely. I remember in 2019, like week in and week out, your 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 offensive breakdowns and like, folks, you can't expect this year after year like this. You just can't. And I remember like thinking like, oh, yeah, that's that's probably true. Like you he can't do this for the next 10 years of his career. And like, it's just not going to be sustainable. Statistically speaking, you just can't have that huge of a, of a presence that high for that long. So yeah, I was able to soak it in a little bit better with your, your forewarnings back then about what was to come, but you know, it's hard to compare Lamar from, from then and now without really thinking about the, the scheme and, mm -hmm. and the progress that he's made in the different aspects of his game. So like, is he the same guy and is he, um, is he as electric in the run game? And do we have the highlight reel this year about him, him breaking tackles and making people miss? Do we have that same thing? No, but it's, it's just changed a lot and it's progressed a lot. You know, his, I think he always had the accuracy um, 
in him, but it was a consistency thing. And we all said wide receivers. So there's there's a lot of different change um, in what we've seen from Lamar that it's different. But there's also a lot of there's a lot of pros to be found in in the change. And it's not just a statistical regression. There's still a lot of positive progressions in there as well. Yeah, I, I, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly with that. The one thing I would say 2019 Lamar was much better at was making the other players on the field better. He was at the peak of his ability to do that. Roman's scheme was terrific at bringing that out, particularly when other teams didn't know what they were doing in facing it. And, and that really was special. Especially with the, like, like we always point to the ability to uh, read leverage, like, you know, that season, his specific skill set and his ability were able to shine a little bit better, whereas now he's a little bit more of a passer, you know, it it takes the the collaboration between him and the other person to be on the same page about when a play's breaking down, when the pocket's breaking down, when, when I need to jump off this route and, and just start working back towards the middle or find an open zone there's it's it's a lot more difficult for him to make those big plays when it's more in the passing game and it requires another person to to be able to enhance his skill set that way yeah i i, I remember coach evans uh, of sip the tally films by the way that's a channel really worth checking out if you if you haven't done it so far um had a great comment about it that i that i'd like to quote is that is is when he loses his speed a little bit and lamar jackson has undeniably lost some speed from when he was a rookie he's gained weight and he's and he you know i think a lot of his is preservational in nature but what what coach would say is when he loses his speed he'll become russell wilson now that didn't used to be the kind of insult <laughs> it seems to be right now but at the yeah. time when he said it it was a really positive thing yeah, absolutely. I mean, another thing I'd like to point to about Lamar and the, the quarterback position is the mentality that's that's in its subjective. It's super subjective. I can't remember every interview and every player quote that, you know, but it seemed like looking back in 2019, it was a lot of just fun for the guy, you know, and and uh, interviewer would ask a question about you know what do you think about orlando brown and you just he prays and then you know like i love this team everything's you know this we're having fun we're playing ball this is great but now the interviews are a lot more about the mindset and it's like you know the the famous marcus peters quote from when the rams were going to the super bowl we ain't done yet and like that's kind of the mentality that lamar has in all of the interviews now it's like this is great and like you watch the the wired and teams the you know offensive lineman you know it doesn't really tell you the context of what's happening but he's like chill chill we're not done yet you know we're not this game's not over yet and it's it's very much more laser focused on the the winning and and staying locked in as opposed to like going out there and having fun and doing his thing and just letting it rip yeah that that level of maturity i hope will serve him well as he rolls through this because um the ravens are much more likely to face adversity during this postseason that they really never did during the entire regular season. I mean, okay, they had some close games at the end of losing three of them early in the season. They should have won all of them. But did they ever really face any sort of meaningful adversity? They beat the crap out of the good teams they faced. They they beat 10 teams who had winning records. The five teams who were three games over 500 they faced, they beat them all by two touchdowns or more. It's just this has been the most one-sided season of, uh, of football I've ever witnessed by a Baltimore team. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I think that 
Lamar's focus, and and I think he he may be taking his cues in part from Roquan on the defense because Roquan has a complete focus. And uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, we can get to that when we when we talk about the defense. But I've been really impressed by that. I'm hoping the only adversity that we face is like a lighting issue in the Super Bowl. Like I'm <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Be, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to running back. Yep. So running back 2019, we had Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Mark Ingram. Um, 2023, we got Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. We have Melvin Gordon and Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, right now, I'd say that I'd give the advantage to the 2019 squad. Um, you know, Mark Ingram was phenomenal at the mesh point and there was never any fumbling issues. There was never like, you know, nope, I'm taking the ball now. There was there was none of that. And Mark always said just pull it hard, you know, rip yeah. it out. Yeah. So that, that, um, that's, that's exactly the point I was just about to make, but you, you, you got it. But, but the, the reason the Ravens ran pistol that year for something like 46% of their snaps. So they ran at a plurality, um, not quite a majority, but, but it was their most common you know, formation. They, they try and run the football out of um, they is because that mesh point with Ingram was so good. And in the years since We've seen them bring in a bunch of veteran backs. I, I, they won't say specifically that's the case, but I believe it's a case of them trying to recreate mesh point understanding and not wanting to take risk on younger, faster players, uh, which is which is proven to be, to my opinion, much to their detriment. And now, when they yep. finally caught lightning in a bottle with Mitchell, they they've got something special and different. I can't remember what game it was. It was recently, the last two or three, not the last one, because Lamar didn't play. But I, I remember a jet sweep motion with, I think it was Zay Flowers. Yes. And and it looked like Lamar wanted to keep that ball. And Zay was just like, nope, I'm taking it. I'm going. And to your point, like it takes a veteran understanding of like, seeing how it's breaking down in front of you to be able to even understand like, okay, is Lamar, is there a chance Lamar wants this ball right now, as opposed to like just being narrow focused on where's the hole, where's my blocks going to be and trying to follow that. It really takes a lot of experience. So it definitely makes sense that they're looking for the vets for that. That was the game winning touchdown, a game ceiling touchdown, I should say at San Diego. So they had a mile 13 to 10 lead. They needed a first down very badly. Jet sweep, Zay flowers, Zay flowers, Seemed like there was actual disagreement at the match point, but Flowers was not letting it go, and he scored when he should have probably knelt. But he he, uh, he definitely uh, uh, got the job done. Yep. So again, yeah, Wash. Uh, if Dalvin Cook can come back and he's the Minnesota Dalvin Cook, then maybe it's a wash between the two. But you know, right now, without really knowing what we have in Dalvin Cook, I'd have to give the advantage to the 2019 squad. And you're, I notice you left Keaton Mitchell on this list. So you're kind of looking prospectively at how the Ravens will be in the playoffs relative to 2019. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because if you included 2019, uh, 2023, Keaton Mitchell on here and just compared him to Ingram directly, I'm not sure if I'd want yeah. Mitchell's 47 carries or everything Ingram did for the whole season because Mitchell unbelievable weapon for the time. I mean, I, I can't remember seeing a player that fast, like, Chris Johnson was that fast, yeah. but like it was, it was very linear. It was like a one cut and then linear speed. It wasn't, you know, I'm going to run around your angles that you're trying to take. It, it's just unreal how fast Keaton Mitchell was. You know, you're, you, you make exactly the comparison. I just, I think about football a lot when I'm walking the dog and, and, and whatnot. And, and one of the things that, that reminds me of uh, that I thought of is that 2008 Tennessee team who lost in the playoffs to the Ravens. It, it was the loss of CJ2K hamstrung. 
that that Tennessee offense and the Ravens, who had a great defense, were able to pretty much shut shut them down the rest of the game with several turnovers. Um, I, I, I'm thinking this could be the Achilles of the 2023 Ravens is not having Keaton Mitchell. Absolutely enormous uh, injury. I think, you know, given the the emergence of Isaiah Likely, I think you could point to that injury as being maybe even more severe than Mark Andrews. And I know that's sacrilege in this town a lot of ways, but incredibly important player. Yeah, we love our tight ends. Don't they're number one always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree, though. I mean, it's it's. I think the game's changed a lot and and a lot of the the concepts that they're doing the the you know the the pick plays from the wide receivers or tight ends to get the wide, the the running back out wide to beat around that block you know it's working out really well with Justice Hill but if Justice Hill goes down whew, that's going to be that's going to be brutal so yeah. you know anyway um, let's move on to the wide receivers if we can Yep. So 2019 wide receivers, this is a great point that everybody loves talking about on Twitter about Lamar's all pro season. And these are the wide receivers we had. They are Miles Boykin, Marquise Brown, Chris Moore, Seth Roberts, Leo Scott, Willie Sneed, and DeAnthony Thomas. I think he was just the kick returner and punt returner that year. I don't think he saw very many wide receiver snaps. He's listed and, as a uh, running back on this team. I was I was looking at this name and I didn't remember. I'm getting, you just made that up, did you know? I'm just, it's I just on pro one. football reference that he is a wide receiver, but I mean, you know, That's maybe just pure special teams. Oh, maybe, maybe I got it wrong then. Maybe he's, he's listed. He's listed. He has receiving stats, but he's listed as a running back there. Anyway, let's see. Probably if I, saw that. If I, oh, he's listed as a wide receiver in his time, maybe with the Chiefs. Otherwise, yeah. and as a no, he's listed as this is interesting because he's listed as a running back every year of his career. Um, He's got receiving. He's got rushing. That's interesting. I honestly do not know what this is. A is a very small guy, five eight, one seventy six. If you remember who DeAnthony Thomas was, uh, DM me on on Twitter and and let me know. But that's interesting. Interesting player. Yeah. So in twenty twenty three, I think we've got a far superior squad. Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, OBJ. Nelson Aguilar coming out with a resurgence year. And then, you know, our quote unquote backups at wide receiver are Laquan Treadwell, which was a first round pick and and Tylen Wallace, who has, you know, made some plays for this team and the depth of the 2023 squad, not just the depth, but the, the talent across the board is just far, far, far superior to the 2019 squad. I don't know how Laquan Treadwell is in the locker room. It would probably be difficult for someone with his pedigree to come in. He's been in the league, what, eight years or something now, um, to, to come on, uh, into a team like this, accept a Praskis call uh, squad role. And he's effect- effectively, uh, there's a line I love, sacrificed himself at the altar of dignity <laughs> in terms of, of his thing to, to earn a ring this year. Yep, that's something that, 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 that is, you know, if he's, if he's got anything to say, this would not be the time to say it. Uh, he's, he's, I, I, I'm sure he'll get a ring for his participation anyway, but he can get, he can be on the sidelines for the Super Bowl or maybe not if you know if he if he was deactivating it. Now, Treadwell's been now activated at the 53. Is that correct? I believe that's true. I believe so. I believe so. I can't keep up with EDC's transactions, man. I don't, you know, who in that there building can keep up with how how he masters and manipulates that roster week in and week out. Another but, good reason, though, why Lamar's 2019 was so great was working with guys like Seth Roberts. Uh, Chris Moore had not a terrible year that year. I think he caught something like 19 out of 26 balls or something in one of his better years. Um, but it's just, just it's not a lot of talent to be working with that Marquise Brown and the rest and the field are your are your guys. 
and I think that was Marquise's first like fully healthy year, right? That was his sophomore season, the rookie season. He came in with the Liz Frank injury. So after that, that was that number season, one, that was his rookie year. Thank oh, you. that was his rookie year. Okay. Yeah. So even that, I mean, our best wide receivers is working with, a, you know, coming off a Liz Frank surgery and had screws in his foot. Like that's right. pretty brutal. So yeah, just clear advantage to the 2023 squad yeah. headed I- into the playoffs. It's definitely the the thing about the offense that is significantly better in in uh, in nineteen. How let's move on to the tight ends. Yep. So twenty nineteen, Andrews, Boyle, and Hurst, and twenty twenty three, we've got Likely, Kolar, and Andrews. Originally, when I typed this up, we didn't have Andrews. Now we have Andrews back. That's pretty exciting. Um, when I look at this one, it's it's kind of hard to lean either way. I I, I tend to try to call this a wash you know Andrews is coming back so you know is Andrews a little bit less than he was in 2019 probably age and he's coming off of the foot injury who knows how severe who knows how, what version of where we're going to get if it's 80 percent of what he was before you know who really knows um when I look at likely versus Hurst I'm taking likely you know after the the since Andrew's injuries likely has been has proven to be pretty consistent, um, been a solid route runner, had speed, had burst. Um, the one handed catch that he had, can't remember who it was against, um, but down near the down near the red zone, one handed yeah. catch and then just muscled Miami. his way into the end zone. Yeah, against Miami. Yep, you're right. And then, you know. Boyle for the 2019 season provided way more value than Kolar is providing to this roster today. But, you know, based off of what this roster and what this scheme needs, you know, Kolar could end up being more important than Boyle in, in terms of like an injury perspective or something. So to me, it's it's kind of a wash, but I could see pointing it as a 2019 squad is better. Okay, I, I would say there's no doubt about it. The 2019 squad is better. And and in particular, if we're, if we're looking forward to the playoffs, the, 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 the big edge for 2019 is Andrews. And I don't care whether you do it Andrews versus Andrews or Andrews versus who likely is right now. The, the quarterback rating throwing to Andrews that year was 133. Andrews with increased workload each year. And let me make sure I have that correct because I think maybe 2018 I'm thinking of, but I thought it was – might have been Boyle, actually, is the, is the guy who was 133 um, throwing to him. Wow. Get to this really, really quickly here. Um, let's see. Advanced receiving and rushing. Yeah, okay. So for, for Andrews, the ratings by year throwing to him, and this is from PFR, and it, the targets would differ if you look on PFF, so the ratings might be slightly different. 124.7 in 2018 when he set the record for yards per target. 2019, 114.0. Uh, then 112.0 in 20, 92.5 in 21, 90.8 in 22, and back up to 133.5 in 2023, which, by the way, the big thing, zero interceptions throwing to Mark Andrews this season and nine in 2021. I am going to reverse myself again on this because I had no idea he was having that kind of a year in terms of passer rating to him. So I'd say Andrews 23 has been more valuable even with missed games. But if we're looking prospectively, is it fair? We don't have, we don't have an idea if Andrews is going to be back or not. Yeah, right. We don't know if we're getting 50% of Mark Andrews or if we're getting 80% or what that even looks like. You know, one of the things that I've been throwing out there, and I'm curious to get your take on it, is, you know, as Andrews is 
coming back and folded back into this office offense, I really think that it behooves the Ravens to leave likely exactly where he's at and at, keep asking him to do the same thing he's been doing and find the more creative and new ways to fold Andrews into it. Um, I say that because we've had Mark Andrews and likely for two years now, I think this is his sophomore year for likely. Um, and it never seemed like we could get the two on the field at the same time and both of them clicking. And, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it's just because Likely's younger and it's harder to get consistent in a backup role or a secondary tight end option, or, you know, it just, it doesn't have the same skill set that Andrews does, but with Andrews veteran savvy and his ability, deep understanding of you know how to get open how to find the spaces in the zones and and what Lamar's looking for it would seem like it's a better fit to kind of make Andrews the tight end number two and allow him to fold himself in into the more creative and dynamic ways and leave likely exactly where he's at you know I, I absolutely love that idea I think that makes all kinds of sense in terms of of how it's done um, and, and I think they're going to be have Andrews on a pitch count anyway. So one of the things you could do if they have truly overlapping skill sets where, you know, these guys both do pretty much the same thing. They both want to be flexed. They both want to get a, a nice clean release from the line of scrimmage. Um, if that's the case, that's still OK. And the Ravens can can hopefully use them to um, uh, for 100 percent of snaps in, in aggregate. So, you, so you, you have some overlapping snaps probably that will still occur where they both have more blocking responsibilities anyway because you have a two tight end set. And they'll have a lot of a lot of Andrew snaps and a lot of likely snaps as the primary tight end receiver. And I think I think that can work because I think we're, we're going to see a 40 to 60 percent usage of Mark Andrews when he comes back and not, you know, 85 percent again. I'm sure that this is the most exciting problem Munkin has had in a while, you know, like how do we do this effectively and efficiency efficiently without deteriorating anything that we have now? And, you know, I'm sure he's pounding a ton of midnight oil between trying to figure that out, prep for the next game and the interviews that he's gotten requested for. All right, outstanding, and and I thank you for bringing up the Andrews comparison and whatnot because it it been I had not looked this year to see just how what a what kind of year Andrews is having. Two years ago, only in 2021, when the ball was just being fed to Andrews out of necessity, a lot of contested catches and whatnot, nine interceptions thrown to Andrews. So wow, uh, zero this year, and that's uh, that's absolutely terrific. It, it, I, some of that is probably deserved by Andrews that he's that he's being more cognizant about when to tip the ball. And a lot of it's obviously due to Lamar not throwing balls into traffic because Andrews is the only choice out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to not to add more time and more to that point, it's, it's, it's been fascinating to watch Lamar develop and, and read the field a little bit differently without Andrews this year. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I hate to wish it the, that or like think that the Andrews injury was a good thing in any way, shape or form, but it's, it's really been fascinating to see Lamar's progression when he doesn't have that safety blanket, that security blanket. Positive byproduct of a, of a bad situation. It's one of the few cases where the, the Ravens injury lemons can be turned into a little bit of lemonade and the development of Isaiah likely has, you know, in some ways really softened the blow of losing Mark Andrews. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the offensive line. All right. So offensive line, we had from left to right, we had Stanley left tackle, Bozeman left guard. McCary, I think, was the starter for that Tennessee game because I'm pretty sure Skura got hurt right before the playoffs. I can't remember when. I tried to go look at the up. Rams game. The Rams game, yep. Um, Yonda at right guard, the legendary Marshall Yonda, and then Orlando Brown Jr. at right tackle. Um, the backups for that squad was – uh, ben Powers, young Ben Powers, I think he took over left guard shortly after that, maybe the next season or the season after. And then the backup tackles were James Hurst and Andre Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, for 2023, left to right, we all know it's Stanley, Simpson, Linderbaum, Zeitler, and Moses. And our other backups are McCary, Falale, 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 or Cleveland, Ben Cleveland. Um, from starter and quality and what we got from the offensive line in 2019 it's it's far far superior yep i think that the backups that we have this year are far superior than what we had so it is a it is a it's clear that 2019 was much better but um I think it's a little bit closer just because of the quality of the depth of the backups that we have right now. And, you know, we've seen injuries happen along this offensive line. You know, if one of these guys goes down, I don't worry that our chances for winning a Super Bowl are completely busted. You know, I really don't this year. Com- completely agree. I mean, obviously, the, the starting tackle play in particular from Stanley has been one of the bugaboos. It's one of the things going into the, the postseason that gives real reason for concern. I think if I went along the starting line, though, I would say that every single 2019 starter, with the exception of Linderbaum, um, was better. Yep. Sorry, with the, with the exception of, of McCary Skura combination, and and I had a lot of lot of love for Skura when when he was playing with the team, and McCary was you know a decent replacement at center, but uh, uh, Linderbaum has been a lot better this year. Uh, you know, Zeitler was a near all a, a near Pro Bowler and a snub Pro Bowler. Yanda was a no doubt about it all Pro. Uh, And and it shouldn't be a snub to Zeitler on that particular comparison. Uh, He's having a great year, though, and he really did get screwed this year in terms of his Pro Bowl and all pro voting. Yeah, Uh, not a lot of guards make it into the Hall of Fame, but I have to imagine Yonda makes it in there one day. I have to imagine. I I think I think it's a sure thing, you know, given what what happened. I think I I, I'm not 100 percent sure he'll be a first ballot player. But there will be pressure to make him a first ballot player. And the thing that is, by the way, has changed the game in terms for guards and getting the Hall of Fame is PFF. PFF yep. is providing, you know, weekly updates on these things where these stodgy old cigar smoking, you know, uh, MVP, sorry, not MVP voters, all pro voters would be working off five and seven year old information. It's not. Oh, well, he was he was good back then, you know, yeah. six years ago. And now he's still making some pancakes. So, yeah, keep it. You know, yeah, exactly. It ain't, it ain't broke, and you could you you did see a lot of multi-year uh, All Pro and Pro Bowl players. Now it's it it switches around much more from from year to year, which I think is is healthy and good and and more informed. You know, the, yeah. in terms of what's going on. Uh, but but I, I one of the big ones is Bozeman versus Simpson, and Bozeman provided a, a, a tremendous value as a puller for that team, and really really understood what he was doing uh, in that regard. That's an area where Simpson's had a lot of difficulty. Uh, Simpson probably a, a, as good a pass blocker. Simpson gets penalized a ton, and yeah. that's really his his big negative. So, and I then you, yeah. I think you said once that uh, Bozeman had the record for pulls in a game, right? Yeah, is that yeah Bozeman? Yeah. That's wild. 
Yeah. It's a, yep. and it was not for, for a Ravens game that I've scored. So those go back to 2005. Uh, and it's, it was in the mid twenties. I want to say like 24, 25 in that range that he, yep. that he had in a single game, which boy, that had to be a lot of fun to just roll <laughs> yeah. over an opponent with 25 pulls in one game. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think 2019 overall, it's a much better line. It's, um, you know, but I think the depth this year is better than what we had in 2019. And we're looking at the offensive unit as a whole. Um, you put the 2019 team ahead or you look at the receivers and say the 2023 team is ahead. How do you how do you rate the two? Well, I mean, I think we can get into schematically now about it and, and finish the offense on the schematic portion of it. Um, you know, in 2019, it was predicated on the run and using different run looks, play action passing game would become a part of the game plan, but it was all predicated on the run. Um, this year, Munkin finds multiple ways that he can attack. And, you know, I think we get off to some slower starts or there's some drives that uh, I wish we had gotten the, those earlier leads quicker. But um, there's kind of a process that you can see with Munkin and trying to figure out how the defense is responding and, and how to continue to attack. Whereas it seemed like Greg Roman's game plan was like we're going to pound the ball and we're going to find the way to pound the ball on the ground and we're going to figure it out and then we're going to get up to a big win whereas Munkin's a little bit more it seems like at least to me he's a little bit more receptive to what the defense is doing and has a couple different avenues to go and attack on it um you know a couple stats to point to there in 2019 Lamar rushed for 1206 yards of his 4300 33 yards from scrimmage so 28 percent of his yards came from the run this year uh he's rushed for 821 of his 4499 yards from scrimmage so 18 percent. so a lot more yards from lamar coming from the passing game and you know we're able to find different ways to attack defenses through the pass instead of just forcing the run i i think i think it's fair to talk about the the uh, adaptability of the team and the 23 team as being a an asset that doesn't show outside of the stats that I would contend really matter most and and the, the two that are the big ones for the for the 2019 Ravens offense number one is points per drive and that team was unbelievable 3.08 points per drive the current Ravens team by the way is at 2.48 points per mm. drive I, I was hoping they get to about back to about 2.6 they fell a little short of that but honestly the whole league is down in terms of offense so by about two tenths of a point per drive since 2019 if i recall correctly so they're, they're in that they're in the right range they're in the yep. range where their defense can can help them win a championship this is an extremely balanced team we'll get into in a second but in terms of pure offensive power that 2019 team beats them all that's component number one component number two they did it for nothing they did it for literally almost no cap space spent on the entire offense is the most productive offense per cap dollar spent you will ever see. Uh, there will never be another like it in football. It's it's whenever people make graphs of this, the Ravens are such an outlier. They almost don't fit on the chart uh, or all the other teams appear to be squinched into it. Just as a small area because the chart had to be expanded so much to get the Ravens in there. So, yeah, I mean, all of that considered, I think with the difference of scheme, the difference of personnel, you know, quarterbacks, 
it's slightly down, somewhat of a wash. The running backs is down. The wide receivers are way up. The tight ends could be a wash depending on how you look at it, or it could be a little bit down um, and the offensive line down. I think the, the overall offense is, is more prepared for this playoff run. Um, it, It just, they have, multiple different ways to attack and beat defenses. They have a lot of different game plans and a lot of different options on ways that they can go to find efficiency for the offense. It's a great point. Very well stated. Completely agree, by the way, that that even though this team is not as great offensively, they're, they're better prepared to adapt to what they may face in the playoffs here. And uh, it, it was just a, a very unfortunate set of circumstances, but also a very unfortunate timing on finding an opponent who could adapt to them, you know, in the playoffs in 2019. And, and, you know, they, unfortunately they had found just the same thing in the previous year. Lamar went six and one to finish the regular season. They faced the chargers in the playoffs and the chargers put seven defensive backs on the field for almost every single play. Yep. They adapted. And, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just unfortunate, but uh, uh, that's who it came to. I think this, this Ravens team much more suited to, to deal with that. Yep. Let's flip over the defense now. Alrighty. Yep. So defense, we'll start with defensive line. Uh, 2019, we had Justin Ellis. I think he was one of the ones that was signed off to the street. So it was Domata Pecco. Uh, we had Michael Pierce, which I didn't even remember that we had him that year. Um, oh, really? Okay. Pro football reference. I, I don't I don't know why it slipped my mind. I guess I'm just assuming that with us signing Pecco and Ellis off the street that like, you know, how do they forget that we had Michael Pierce there and Brandon Williams was healthy all wear. So uh, we also had Jihad Word, which was counted as a defensive line. He's edge slash outside linebacker slash DL. I know he lined up in the middle a lot on dime looks or, you know, nickel looks. Um, I guess it was his... um, I guess it was Wink Martindale's like NASCAR package, I guess, you know, putting word in there and then uh, Chris Wormley. And then in 2023, we've got Travis Jones, Justin Matabike, Michael Pierce again, Brent Urban and Broderick Washington. Um, To me, it's kind of based on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. off of the scheme but this defensive line i think is better suited than the 2019 playoffs i i would agree for a couple of reasons first of all 
Um, mix of body types in 2023 is much better. There's a four nose tackle team from 2019. The reason that happened, by the way, is they they lost defensive linemen as the season was going on. They kept losing Brandon Williams for a game here, a game there. Michael Pierce missed missed two games or three games. Forget which it was. It might have been only two games. But anyway, they they needed replacements. They had to go to the street. And they had to get nose tackles because uh, that's what's available. You don't, you know, great three techs aren't available on the street. I give, yep. I give Ozzy and DaCosta, however they were working at the time, tremendous. Um, uh, actually, let's see, 18 draft was Ozzy's last. This is 19. This is all DaCosta. Give him mm-hmm. tremendous credit for rebuilding this defense on the fly. And it's nowhere is it more um, prominent than on the defensive line where they, they went to this. You mentioned the NASCAR package. I, I call it race car when they used four outside linebackers and and oftentimes one down lineman, but sometimes none. Yep. They played that package more than they played base in 2019. Yep. So they played base about 10 point something percent of the time. And they played the, the, uh, the race car package over 13% of the time. Yep. So uh, really uh, a... Outstanding year, honestly, also of adjustment from Wink Martindale to the personnel he had and really getting the most out of him. I think to your point, like, you know, Ravens in 2019 were just building insurmountable lead off the rip. And it was a lot easier for Wink Martindale to put that that race car package. I think I called it NASCAR because Madden back in the day when the Giants did it with Justin Tuck, OCU Minura, um, they also had um, JPP, like they called it NASCAR and Madden, that that formation. So I think that's why that's kind of stuck with me. That's funny. Um, yeah, I, I came up with race car on my own, and it's been pointed out to me that I've popularized the term without uh, without getting approval from the street for that. I've yeah. also the other one I, I use is jumbo nickel. It's it's not anybody else's terminology for it. A lot of other teams call it penny. But the problem with that t- calling a penny is it confuses most fans because yep. it breaks the coinage rules of, 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 of any kind of nickel has five has five defensive backs. And yeah. I don't I don't know if it's just because I've been listening to you so long, but I feel like it's I think Madden also called it jumbo nickel, or or it's just because I've been listening since you've been on on the radio. I can't remember. Okay, I think they may have called it three three five nickel, yeah, um, which would be another another possible term for it. But penny is often the term because people want to have something quick to say, uh, where you give up an inside linebacker, put an extra guy on the defensive line, and uh, and you have still five defensive backs. So you, what what it, what is characterized by is is your safeties really know have to know how to run fit for your linebackers. Yep, absolutely. Yep, good thing we've got that right, but we'll get there. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. We'll move on to the linebackers. Yep, so linebackers. Um, so I think I started with outside linebackers, but we'll cover inside at the same time. So outside in 2019 was Bowser, Ferguson, and Judon. And in 2023, we've got Clowney, Jeremiah Moon, Owe, Robinson, and Van Noy outside. And then inside in 2019, we had Chris Board, Chris Board Josh Bynes coming off the street, LJ Fort came off the street, street, (laughs) Patrick Owasso inside. And then inside this year, we've got Delshawn Phillips. I don't know if he got put on IR, if he's still hurt. I don't, I don't know. I think he's still on the roster right now. As far as I know. Yeah. Um, So Delshawn Phillips, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, and Trenton Simpson, which had a fantastic game against the Steelers. So to me, it's so clear and obvious that the linebacking unit as a whole from pretty much top to bottom in 2023 is far superior. 
Okay, I, I think it is, and, and it's largely a, a, a question of Roquan, but I'll give you two reasons why it might not be in some ways. And and the first is that they're outside linebackers, although this this team has generated a ton of sacks, and there's all this complementary pressure being created by having you know guys who can get first pressure but can also clean up like nobody's business. Um, you have that from the outside coming in. Clowney's good with it. Van Noy is a good first pressure guy. Matabike's been an unbelievable cleanup guy. Um, this year. So they have, a, they have a wonderful combination, the pass rush. The 2019 team did it primarily with um, schematic deception. So part, the, a big part of that was having the combination of Bowser, who is, you know, Bowser is not thought of well in this in this town right now, which is, is a very unfortunate end to his, to his time here. But also Matt Judon, who could, either of them could drop to coverage. Bowser was the best in the NFL at doing it, and Judon was a pretty damn close second in terms of of being guys so you had a lot of pass rush flexibility created by your outside linebackers there um that that fueled that that's reason number one let you respond to that and i'll go to get to reason number two it's very interesting because you know the the flexibility that bowser and judon had i remember seeing like and maybe it's an illusion and you know i don't know how to find the stat for delay of game or timeouts called because quarterbacks didn't know who was coming and who was not coming but to your point it was a lot of schematic pressure that was sent to be able to facilitate those pieces working uh yes there there definitely was a a lot of that the other the other point i'll make here and this is some an area where i think the ravens will return is the 2019 team played 42.2 percent dime or for over 42 percent i'm sorry i i always confuse myself when i'm talking about including the playoffs or not but it's over 42 percent so anyway that team first of all was in position to play a lot of dime and would just start doing it at the beginning of the fourth quarter regardless of opposing personnel package because they weren't too con- confused con- uh concerned about the run but they would also run it out there on third down exclusively as you know if it's third and six or more you're getting the dime look um just like in two- in 2000 you, you, if you were third and four or more you got the quarter from the ravens yep. which was just it's it was bizarre in in some ways to see them playing that 31 quarter but they played a standard 4-1 dime back then I mean, one one inside linebacker four four down linemen and uh and then six six guys and we had chuck clark at the peak of his ability playing dime back uh and 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 giving the the greatest dime season in ravens history just beating his the, the guy who had done it the previous year and anthony levine um that dime package was extremely powerful, and and what you get from Patrick Queen, it's of different quality and a different advantages than what we got from the from the dime package. And and I think that what we're going to see is we get better coverage with Queen, um, uh, not in the lineup, and 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 a dime back instead. Um, we get not as much pass rush, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay making that sacrifice because I think you need the coverage probably a little bit more, a little bit more. But more than anything, you get it all put together, that platoon, at a third of the price yep. that you'd otherwise pay for Queen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 a lot easier to find than the unicorn. It just it is so much easier to find the guy like, okay, you can do this really well, and okay, you can do this really well. Like you can rush, you can play the run really well, you can cover really well. You guys are just flipping. Like it's yeah. it's so much easier to find somebody that can do one or two things really well than trying to find anybody that can do all the things at even eighty percent, you know? Yeah. 
And that, that has shown up when Ravens inside linebackers have been hurt in the past. Anytime they were without Ray Lewis, they were pretty much screwed. Anytime they were uh, without C.J. Mosley, they were pretty much screwed. So they, they had to do it. This 2019 team was very strange, though, in the, in the case that their, their, their weak side linebacker in Fort and, and Bynes both contributed stuff against the pass, but they're unbelievable fines for their specific responsibilities against the run as well. Yep. Absolutely. Just on the street. And like, you know, I don't, I don't know every player on every team, you know, I I definitely don't try to keep up and try to know who's who and who we're facing and, you know, who the matchups are going to be each week. But LJ Fort was just absolutely fantastic that year. And it was a no brainer to resign him. It sucked that he got the injury after that. um, Cause you know, it was just, it was such a, such an incredible find for what we were asking him to do. It was incredibly powerful, but you know, overall, I think the L the linebackers really get a, a big advantage this year. And you're probably right. It's probably a lot of it has to do with Roquan, but I just I, I can't foresee teams any team trying to take advantage of this defense in the way that Tennessee did in 2019. I just I can't see it happening. Right. Based off of who, what teams are left in the playoffs and who we may face, you know, all of the teams that are left, like any combination, I just I can't see it happening. Yeah. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the one team that really uh completely depends on the run at this time. Miami can do it. You know, the, the Ravens, you know, just beat them pretty handily. But in a lot of ways, I still fear them as much as any other offense. But Pittsburgh is a big uh, power tackle breaking team. And that does scare me a little bit with lighter boxes that they yeah. could be effective. But we just saw them. It was it was a lousy condition. So it's hard to really judge what happened. But they control the football very effectively. They ran the ball more effectively than a 4.0 yards per carry would tell you. Yeah, I think they yeah. were they were actually better than that. Um, but but just seeing things, you know, I obviously it's against backups. So do I really am I really that concerned about it? No, yeah, true. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a it was a solid data point for me that game and in who we play, who we had on the field, and and what was able to be produced with that combination. Because you know when I go back and I look and I see like you know Chenton Simpson showed some flashes, but like you're talking about a rookie in the playoffs, like he could get exposed really quickly. So you know if you put Patrick Queen back there and you put Roquan back there, like I don't have any insecurities about that combination at all. And would you have any insecurity about if if Queen were to get hurt during the playoffs and God forbid that anything happens injury wise to this Ravens team when things are really going well, but the, it, that Simpson couldn't go in and play two downs or play a platoon role or do whatever would be necessary. I feel good about him doing a platoon role. Yeah. yeah. Especially like Malik Harrison on the rundowns and, you know, um, bringing that then bringing in Trenton Simpson when you need the speed or you know any other type of flexibility and converting that 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 role to a dime role because now we have all the cornerbacks and we have everything we need to be able to you know convert to dime on the fly if we need to we have enough depth you know the funny thing is I don't know who would play dime for this Ravens team right now because they're really shorthanded at safety and, yeah. and so I guess it might be Adams and you could move up. Stone is not really the right guy to move up into the box. They're Stone and Williams are back end guys. Hamilton, you want at slot, but maybe you might decide that that on on those dimes, you put Mollett at slot and you and you move Hamilton over to dime. Stevens, Stevens and Darby 
Marlin in slot and then Hamilton and dime and keep your back end safeties the same. I mean, you run the risk of somebody getting hurt on that play. Cause if you lose yeah. either one of the three safeties, when you got all three of them on the field like that, like you're, you're running a risk, but I, I don't know that we've seen Hamilton play dime, but I, I haven't seen anything that says he couldn't do it. Well, he's, he has played a lot of um, upfront alignments where He's not exactly lined up over slot. He's more like a third linebacker that's in there trying to uh, uh, play on some earlier running downs against some of the heavier teams. I'm thinking like Cleveland and who else am I thinking about that he that he had done that with. But anyway, it's it. I I, I think they're they are, are fairly adaptable to that, and uh, Hamilton seems to be able to go wherever he he needs to go and play well. Yeah. Absolutely incredible for that guy. Second year. We're just looking at the second year. Do you do you have any fears about like the same thing we saw with Lamar in twenty twenty three and like this is what we're seeing in Hamilton in twenty twenty three that like he's gonna he has to come back down to earth? Um you know, with Hamilton, honestly, I think I'd say no. There's no statistical area where Hamilton has been so great that he can't effectively duplicate a lot of what he's doing. And most of what he's doing is, is um, of an overwhelming physical nature to start with. It's instant instincts also, but, but his, his ability to patrol the line of scrimmage, it's length that really helps him get get off wide receiver blocks and and break up wide receiver screens on the side he's on. Um, It's, it's, uh, you know, quickness uh, and uh, decisiveness about, about, you know, getting into the backfield on blitzes. He's, you know, he's very slippery as a blitzer. You know, it's not just a, um, uh, a a speed thing or a deception to him, you know, not giving away until it's, until it's too late for the offense to do anything about it. Um, it, it, I, I just, I look at those characteristics and I say, He's got a lot of things that he's going to carry with him. And it's not like Lamar where I could point to any one of his statistics and say that, well, that's just like 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. That ain't happening again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Good points. Uh, moving on to cornerback. Uh, in 2019, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Peters, Jimmy Smith, and mm-hmm. Iman Marshall. Auburn the man right? who did not that, exist. <laughs> yeah, right. Auburn guy is that I can't. You know, most of the time I remember where players went, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't really exist, so it's hard to hard to remember him. Uh, in 2023, we got Marlin again. We've got Stevens, Pepe, Williams, Rakasin, Darby, another addition of EDC, adding somebody off the street, finding a ton of value in, and Arthur Mollet. Um, to me, it's it's a wash only because of the depth and the quality of depth we have this year going into the playoffs versus the 2019. Um, in 2019, like I don't, I love Jimmy Smith. I love Jimmy Smith till his death. I hope he's listening to this and he hears how much I love Jimmy Smith. But you just never knew the availability for Jimmy Smith. You never knew when something was going to tweak, and that was like shoot we have a problem um so the depth of what we have with darby and molette and then adding those pieces to the equation i'd give a very 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 slight edge or you know call it a wash slight edge whatever to the 2019 or to the 2023 squad okay i i think this is an area that's pretty clearly a 2019 advantage the the 
first of all, you had two all pro corners. It's almost like doing a disservice to those guys. Just <laughs> it's a wash it's between true. these two. But but uh, Peters was a huge component of going down the stretch. The acquisition of him was EDC's crown jewel uh, in terms of what he did that that season to put that team together. Uh, Marlon was a much better player in 2019 than he has been this year. It's not a matter of Marlon's been very good when he's been on the field this year. It's just a matter of he hasn't been on the field that much, and, and he's yep. he's almost in a way become a new Jimmy Smith in that way. So, uh, and was uh, 2019 when he got the fruit punch nickname? Was that the year he was punching the ball out of everybody? I can't I, think, I can't remember the forced fumbles. I think that was after. I think that might have been 20 or 21, but I'll look it up right now while we're talking. Yeah, so, so um, you're right. The the two all pros. That's kind of hard to that's kind of hard to discredit. It's just I think about injuries a lot, and I think about what can go wrong. And other than the Ravens beating themselves and and not being prepared or not um, not executing, you know, I, I think about you know, okay, so what else could go wrong? And it's it's always injuries, right? That's always what mm-hmm. can derail anything. So I, I think I hold a little bit more wait to the depth this year all right all right well very good uh and no complaints there in terms of what you're saying always love people to be loyal to the current team i think it is a good one i also give mcdonald a lot of credit for um compartmentalizing the scheme having these people understand what they're doing within a larger scheme but also i think it has reduced the role of cornerbacks by playing a lot of too deep or starting even starting with that and rotating something else there is the fear of the back end that exists in every quarterback the Ravens face uh, that has really made the, the the job easier for these wide receivers. I can't imagine anybody being unhappy if you're a cornerback playing in this system. I cannot imagine it. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> so uh, you're uh, you know these, these these guys and and I think it's really helped Stevens have a have this breakout year and and uh, not that he's been bad. He's a good boundary corner. He does other good things well. Uh, stayed with people, not giving up a bunch of big plays over the top. But uh, he's a guy who, who I think has also benefited from the scheme. Yeah, I was just I was literally just about to ask you that question. You know, how much weight do we hold to Steven's performance based off of the the scheme and the deep safeties? And you're probably right. I mean, even if it is more technique and more everything else, like I can't imagine the amount of comfort that an, a, a corner has just knowing that like, okay, the back end's protected, you know, it's just one less thing you have to worry about or you're afraid of as you're lining up and, and, you know, getting ready for the next route, the next play. So yeah, I imagine that's gotta be a piece of the puzzle for sure for Steven's development. All right. How about we move on to safety here? Always my favorite position to talk about. (laughs) Yep. So safety, uh, Chuck Clark, um, Anthony Levine, Jordan Richards, and Anthony Trawick. And I think Anthony was more just special teams. I can't remember if he saw the field too much, but I'm sure he got some snaps in there. Um, And uh, that was strong safety. And at free safety, we had Earl Thomas. I'm pretty sure Jefferson was on IR for the, the Tennessee game. I think he got hurt earlier in the season, but I can't hundred percent remember that's, that's correct so he had the green dot for that's right. uh the he was given the green dot after let's see Weddle had it for the second half of the first game and then in arizona i think that it, sorry then then it went to uh, I'm, I'm i'm forgetting exactly how it went but anyway tony jefferson had it for for a period there and then he got hurt during the pittsburgh game i think and that's when it went to clark yeah and yep. um 
looking at the at the regular season totals in terms of snaps here, uh, looks like Trawick. Um, yeah, he was not on the field for many snaps. Uh, 15, 11, 11 total snaps, sorry, 11 total snaps, 15 yards. Uh, Thomas played 829 snaps. Jimmy Smith had 362 snaps. Uh, Peters, 544. He was, of course, acquired at midseason. Levine, 154, which seems low, but he wasn't the dime back the whole time. Jefferson had 256 snaps. Uh, Humphrey, 895. Clark, 704. He took the green dot over towards the end of the season. And then Carr, 692. So they did some some rotation. A- Anthony Averett had 205 snaps that season. So that was that was something nice, too, to get another guy started. I don't, th- I don't remember you having him in the list of cornerbacks. Was he on IR before that? Did he get hurt? Twenty nineteen uh, roster. I can't. I can't really tell you if he get, if he got. If, I mean, the two hundred five is what he played during the regular season. So yeah, have to go back and look. Um, let me see if he if he played it all in the postseason. He did not. So um, yeah, I thought he got hurt. It's okay. hard to go back and look and see who got hurt when and who was available when. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he was on IR at that point. So um, back to safeties. This year we've got Geno Stone, Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, a couple practice squad guys as the backups. It's it's really, really difficult for me to not say that this this squad is better and it could be recency bias. It could be Hamilton. And I love safety play ever since Ed Reed, just being an absolute freak act athlete and having freak instincts. And, you know, but it's to me, it's, it's 2019 all the way. Okay. I, I would agree. Certainly in terms of the, the, the top talents you mentioned, I think this team desperately needs to find that next safety. I think the loss of Daryl Worley is actually pretty significant for this team and they need to find a guy, whether it's Adams, Lucian or somebody else off the street, they have to, they have to find, they need one more safety uh, on this team. I don't think it is one of their current cornerbacks. I don't believe so. I know Ardarius Washington has had a little bit of time there. Pepe also during the preseason, but I think, I think it'll be somebody else. Yeah. I can't see really anybody else making the transition at corner from our current corners to being playing in safety. Like maybe it's, you can get by for the rest of a game with Stevens, but it's, it's not sustainable to, to continue to win in the postseason. You you can't take him out of corner. He's too valuable there. They, they, it's not like they have anybody to replace him at that point. So uh, I, I think they're, I think they'd be really stuck. Hey, the guy, the guy who might, it, it could be, Yasin could be a guy, a very physical player who you could move into a dimeback role if you needed to because there's an injury on the inside. It could be Yasin is a guy you could put on the back end. Um, he's much more physical than instinctive, um, and it would be a learning process for him to go through and read multiple route patterns at once, multiple routes at once to try to figure out where he needs to be on the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think he's still young. He's like in year five. So, you know, trying to make that transition, that'd be that'd be a tall order for sure. So, yeah, overall, I, you know, I think the safety group this year, despite the depth, is just so far superior. And, you know, what we got from Earl Thomas was okay, but it wasn't what we thought we were going to get. And, right. you know, just the, the talent at, at safety this year is just superior. So that kind of leads us to the the schematic portion of the defense. Um, 
in 2019, um, we had a lot of, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Dime seemed to be the bread and butter for 2019. A mm-hmm. ton of man coverage led to a situation when a red and honey, run heavy team like Tennessee could, you know, put us in a bad spot. And they did. Um, you know, Henry finished that game with 30 carries for 195 yards. And we just couldn't stop him. You know, our safeties weren't equipped to stop him. Our linebackers weren't equipped to stop them. And the their offensive line got just enough push to get Henry into level two, and we couldn't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I have some comparisons to make here, and I've got it by package here in my own uh, materials. But the Ravens played 10.6% base in 2019. They played three different nickel looks, a standard nickel, a big nickel, and a jumbo nickel. They didn't play any of the uncovered nickel um, uh, from that year, and that totaled 46% of snaps. They they are at 80, 80 or 81% nickel in 2023. So that gives you an idea of just how little variation in the number of defensive backs that McDonald is using. Dime, uh, and this... Uh, I don't. I guess this does include the the playoffs. The dime is a total of thirty eight point three percent, but that does not include some quarter packages, which take it up to forty two point two percent. So that's the number you often hear me quoting on this show. And that includes the dime and the quarter looks. Actually, three point nine percent of the time, that two thousand nineteen team had seven defensive backs on the field. Mm. So. Uh, more than I really remembered, but the but the but the the percentage, the forty two point two percent, is by far the highest they'd ever had in team history, of six plus defensive backs. Thirty four and a half percent was a previous record in two thousand. So good teams have the ability to build leads and and do whatever they want to basically stop the opponent from um, uh, from coming back. And the dime defense and race car packages and other things that you might use are uh, are. Uh, are, are good uh, tonics for that. I will say this, they, the race car package is the, between the two of them. They use it 13.2% of the time, the base package only 10.6. That is just a remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this too. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we had seven defensive backs in 2019 for that many plays or the, even that little plays, it's probably where Brandon Trowick got all of his defensive snaps. I'm guessing. He he would have had some, but remember Anthony Averett was available earlier during That's the true. year, yeah. and I know I know he played in some of those dime packages. So I'd have to go. I, I if if you really want to do that, I have to go back and go game no, by game and right. look at the sevens. But we're good. totally all right. Yeah. But I think you know schematically, with the difference in I like inside linebacker play that we have this year, I just I can't imagine anything. I, I can't really see a weakness in this defense like what we had in 2019 that got exposed. Um, you know, one of the other big things that that I I point to is like seeing Marlon Humphrey in the slot against San Francisco and his level of play jumping up and you know it was just a phenomenal game from him. Like the flexibility in personnel and scheme from Mike McDonald to match up against either their offensive personnel or scheme is, is just absolutely incredible because of the the difference in talent on defense that we have this year versus what we had in 2019. Yeah. Patchwork group in 2019, wonderful job of rebuilding the fight. I'm hearing some clicking coming from your end. I'm not sure what that is. 
Okay, but the the uh, uh, in, in this case, it, it's it definitely is a much more solid uh, schematic defense. I would say in terms of of how they want to play it, they're much more integrated. They they do much more to cover for their um, uh, cornerbacks, which is something that that kind of plagued them in 2019 was allowing some big plays from time to time. But honestly, the, the, the defense just has way more talent across the board. That 2019 team is a, is a, is a, is a picture perfect way to rebuild a, a bad defense on the fly. A, a defense that lost a lot of talent the previous year and, and they rebuild it very quickly um, when it, some injuries occurred. And, and frankly, when the Owasso uh, move to Mike did not work out, that became apparent immediately. And, yeah. and, they, and they and they were decisive and made the move immediately to go to Fort and Bynes and uh, go back to that platoon role on the weak side that really served him so well. Yeah, incredible job by EDC of just on the fly. And I don't – I hate to try to compare EDC to Ozzy because both had incredible, incredible strengths. But, you know, EDC has really taken – the Ravens up a notch and being able to rebuild quickly and efficiently and efficiently like last second, last minute in season, right before the season starts. Like there's no, no shortage of ability to see the weakness and, and diagnose how to solve that problem and get somebody in that can solve the problem. Yeah. So a couple of the stats to point to why I think overall the defense is much better. Um, Tied for first in defensive yards per play in 2023, and in 2019, we were tied for uh, ninth. Um, gave up six rushing touchdowns all season this year, 2023, and 12 in 2019, and tied for first in takeaways in 2023, and tied for seventh in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and those we could, are we could add in sacks there if we wanted to, but it's it's there's no question it's a it's a much 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 better defense, and. What's made this team so great from a from a DVOA perspective is that they're extremely balanced. All three units are very good, um, and none of them have to be the 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 absolute best. Although the defense is, um, the offense is second or third, and the, and the special teams is is up there in the top three as well. And uh, that sort of balance is just is is a big asset to have going into the playoffs. Yeah, that makes me think, and I remember in 2023 thinking more about positional matchups as a whole and this year i've really been thinking about individual matchups as opposed to positional matchups i remember in 2019 though the pass rush has really got to step up this game or you know Mm -hmm. it's going to be a tough game for the linebackers here and now i'm thinking well can kyle hamilton just like cover Debo Samuel one-on-one and it's like oh yeah he can wow that's impressive you know so it's a it's very very different level of talent okay all right i i this is an outstanding topic we have to kind of cut this off at this point we've we've talked about the coordinators i think enough during the as we've gone through the individual things to know and also i don't like kind of the notion of bashing the previous coordinators who i think were among the best the ravens ever had i mean let's let's face it 2019 ravens and what they had uh with um uh uh, why forget i want to call them urban but that's not correct Pre- previous previous offensive coordinator. Um, I'm, I'm blanking out. But before Monken, did you say? Uh, Roman, sorry. Roman, Greg Roman. <laughs> um, it, what they had with Greg Roman was really special, and he, he is the best Ravens offensive coordinator prior 
to Munkin. And Munkin still has a ways to go before he's ahead of Urban, I think, in, in terms of, of what he brought to the franchise. But this has been a great start. And in terms of the defensive side as well, um, Wink Martindale's in the top three defensive coordinators the Ravens have ever had. It's Rex Ryan, um, it's Wink Martindale, and it's um, Marvin Lewis. And all the yep. other guys who were there for a shorter period, Pagano and Madison and and uh, people like that, they just – even Dean Pease, who was there for a longer time, um, I, I I don't think they're quite as great, even though they were all very good. The offensive coordinator is much more checkered history of not particularly good offensive coordinators for the Ravens. It's uh, it's easier to find fault with that group. But, uh, but I, anyway, I, I don't like previous coordinator bashing when they've been that good. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like the, it's recency bias, which allows us to do that. You know, we, we look at this current team and how good this current team is. And we, we look back about any shortcomings the previous team has. So then it, it becomes an easy finger to point at the, the single individuals and say like, oh, that's why it didn't work. And it's, it's really just like, yeah, you you just remember the heartbreak and not the 14 and two in record setting offense. So um, I agree. I will say though, that I think we're leaving off Gary Kubiak off that list yes. and it might not have been a historic offense or anything, but golly, the way he unlocked Joe Flacco that year was just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's very fair to, to, to point him out. Um, Sean, Really appreciate you coming on the show. First of all, th- this is exactly what I want in a lot of ways. First of all, discussion is fantastic. Second of all, you're incredibly prepared. If you were looking at what I'm looking at in terms of what Sean sent me in terms of notes for this show, out- just outstanding. So I, uh, I really I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. It was, uh, it's hectic. We've got a, a new 10 month old in the house and my, my energy and sleep schedule are not what they used to be. So I think I put this together in between meetings in a couple hours and figured this would be enough for you. So I'm glad you appreciate it. I'm glad to be a part of this, man. I, I appreciate everything you do, really. Well, you're, you're, you're certainly welcome anytime. Where can people talk football with you online? Uh, be more sky high on Twitter. I mean, you know, I don't really care. I'm, I'm on there sometimes. Sometimes I'm not, you know, I'm sure they get tagged whenever you post the episode. People can follow or not. It doesn't really matter. As long as they're listening to your stuff, it's it's good content and it's it's great for the community. So follow me or don't. It's not a big deal. Okay. Outstanding, Sean. Well, you're welcome back on the show anytime. And I hope you'll you'll contribute both in terms of questions and to the degree you can with other content that is of an interesting nature like this, because exactly what I'm looking for in terms of discussion. Other folks out there, if you're looking to do the same and be on a show like Sean, please hit me up. DMs are always open. You know what it is. If you're a fan of the show and you don't want to be on a show, but you want to do something good for the show, there's two things you can do. I don't ask anybody for money, at least not yet, in terms of having paywalls or Patreons or anything. What I would like you to do is introduce the show to one new person. Okay. Just somebody who likes football content. You're wearing a film study t-shirt there. Aren't you? I'm wearing a film study Ravens t-shirt, brother. <laughs> of right, course. That's great. Um, I, I wasn't sure before. I thought it was a Raven shirt, but I was going to ask you about it after, after we got off air, but that's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, the, the other possibility is to um, uh, sh- sh- uh, write a 50 word five-star review for us. would really appreciate that. And, uh, and if you, if you don't mind doing that, that helps the algorithm drive people to um our podcast and hopefully we'll find some new new listeners that way but really appreciate you uh sean thanks again for coming on thanks for having me brother and we'll talk to you next time on film study
know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.